Hello and welcome to the New York Giants 2022-2023 season recap on the Giant Take Podcast. We took a week off. We're back now. Uh, We're excited to do this. It's going to be a jam-packed episode with a bunch of things. We're even going to go into the New York Giants undraft, not undrafted, but the uh, UFAs, the free agents from their team. And I'm excited for where this is going to go because obviously we get to recap now. uh, And then once we recap, you know, that's basically it for this season. We're not going to really talk about it much besides looking at it in retrospect, uh, you know, types of things. But now we really focus our minds towards the future. And that being, you know, the contracts of Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the rest of the Giants here uh, that Joe Shane really wants to go after. And if not, we look towards the free agency window and especially the draft and the senior bowl is coming up. So excited for that. Also excited for uh, the draft. Like, I, I mean, I already said it, but um, last year we had a bunch of content for the draft, and I hope we continue to do the same, um, you know, by bringing on guests, because we haven't really had guests on the podcast in a while. Uh, but, you know, bringing on those guests again, if we can bring them back, uh, talking about the draft, because we really went hard draft coverage. To be fair, it was kind of rightly so. We did have two picks within the top 10. A little bit different situation this year. We don't have, we're not that lucky. Maybe a trade or two in there. We'll have to see what Joe Shane in the front office of the New York Giants decides to do. But for right now, the Giants sit in the later half of the draft after making it to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Although, that doesn't change our mindset. We're still going to you know, focus draft heavy when we get to that point in the next month or so uh, when we turn our mindset towards there. My friend, my co-host, Alex, how you doing? I'm doing well. I've had you know about a week to digest this giant season and really, you know, gather my thoughts here together. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it, excited to not only kind of look back at what this season was, but really look forward. Because when you're looking back, you're also looking forward, um, you know, learning the lessons from the past uh, and trying to figure out how we can move this team forward. What I will say is last night, um, you know, when I was watching the conference championship games and watching the Eagles just demolish the quarterbackless 49ers, obviously was quite upsetting, but go Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I guess. Um, what I will say is there's a huge talent gap right now between the Giants uh, and you know some of their division foes, including the Cowboys and especially the Eagles. And I think this offseason is going to be really important in trying to close that gap. Uh, and I think by looking at, you know, into the past, into the season, uh, and what really happened, what games we won, what games we lost, why we won them, why we lost them, uh, it's going to be a really important step for Joe Shane in the front office to look at uh, and try to you know, figure out what holes that need to be filled and what positions need to be upgraded. So what I have planned out here, uh, as I set up the outline for this episode to be, uh, was I'm going to go through kind of the momentous games, whether it's wins or losses, of, that I felt were a part of the giant season. If Alex has any observations along the way that he wants to share, he can very well do so. Maybe a game that I missed or one that I you know wasn't talked about enough. Players that weren't talked about enough, we could do that. But what I have here is the games that were very pivotal to I feel this giant season. Uh, so I kind of mixed and matched that because obviously I'm not going to talk about every single game. And then based on that, I have just a couple of observations. And then honestly, we have a quick turnaround, uh, kind of like a snap of a finger straight to what is going to happen, um, you know, or what has happened already, but kind of looking towards the future of this team, including Joe Shane's press conference, including guys that are maybe coming back. And then um, at the end, I have a nice little fun uh, time where we go through the Giants uh, free agents coming up and Alex and I are going to talk about whether we want to bring them back or not and why. So 
without further ado, after I give you, I gave you the whole menu here for this episode, let's go into what I found to be the pivotal moments of this giant season. Let's start all the way back. Can you picture yourselves in September week one as the Giants started their season away in Tennessee, defeating the Titans 21-20? And Brian Dable's decision to go for it on a two-point conversion helped secure that win for the G-Men. And that was Brian Dable's first win as a Giants head coach in week one of the NFL season. I think that's when Giants fans already knew there is something different about this guy, something different about this head coach. The New York Giants did not start 1-0, I felt like, for a long time until that point, and especially going away to Tennessee, where Tui thought you know, at that moment were very good with guys like Derrick Henry, although... We knew that their passing game wasn't good with Ryan Tannehill under center. We knew their defense was very good, um, and they did make it to the playoffs the, the year prior to that. Moving on, uh, the next game I have here is moving ahead to a Giants Monday night football game against the Cowboys at MedLife Stadium. That ended in, unfortunately, their first loss of the season, putting the team at a record of 2-1, and 23-16 was the final score of that game. And I went to that game. You know, I was really excited going, looking, you know, looking forward to it. I believe it was two undefeated teams at the time. I think the Cowboys were also 2-0, so it was the battle of the undefeateds. We knew that I think one of them had to get their first loss on the year, and it sucks because um, I remember recapping it. That was my my uncle's birthday there on that Monday, uh, and he was, you know, given the the birthday gift of going to the Cowboys game. Yes, my uncle is a Cowboys fan. I don't want to talk about it, uh, but he did live in the wonder years of the 80s. Since that point, it's been all downhill. So that's his how, jo- how Josh hasn't disowned him as his uncle. I don't know why. Yeah, there's nothing I could do, unfortunately. Um, but it is what it is. So, you know, you had that moment right there with me, and uh, that was that sucked. But we move on two weeks later in London. This was probably the biggest win of the Giants season to that point. Uh, it was home versus the Green Bay Packers, considered home uh, for the Giants, I think. But London was the home for the Giants. They were able to keep uh, the Packers contained, or Aaron Rodgers specifically contained him and the Packers offense who got a victory pulling out the Giants to now a 4-1 and record. I don't think fans remember this because Alex and I on the podcast earlier early in the season talked about how, oh, this New York Giants team, they look way better record-wise than what they are and what they're producing on the field. Second half of the season, we were able to see that. But I believe this team at one point was like seven and two, right? I they were very, very good record wise. I mean, they strung together win after win after win. Even here now, moving to four and one, uh, we were able to see kind of in the second half of the season what separated them from better teams in the NFL, or what we saw was their weaknesses, and that'll be coming up. Uh, but it it really earlier in the season it was kind of like a a magic show, you know, it just what you wasn't expecting. And it was just stringing win after win after win against quality teams like this one, the following week, big blue came home. They had an amazing victory against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Julian love even getting an interception on the, you know, pro bowl caliber type quarterback that Lamar Jackson is the giants record then became five and one. Then we got a little bit more realistic as over a month later, the Giants had a slot on Thanksgiving. Guess who's at Thanksgiving? My uncle again. Um, and it was the second matchup against the Cowboys. Uh, they versed them. They lost again. Uh, a score on prime time during that, like whatever it was, four o'clock slot on Thanksgiving, 28-20. Giants record then became seven and four. 
We continue with this streak on holidays, apparently, of losing when we went to Christmas or we, during Christmas Eve. The Giants went to Minnesota in a battle that ended with a 60 plus yard field goal by Greg Joseph. It was the game winning field goal for Minnesota after probably the Giants' best offensive performance of the season, even though they came up short. Following that, the Giants demolished the Indianapolis Colts for their best offensive performance after their best offensive performance against the, the Vikings the following week. That secured them into the NFL playoffs for the first time since 2016. And I think when you're listening, we all know how it went after that point. The Giants, they then lost to the Eagles with all their bench players in, but they didn't have that in mind. It was a wild card game against the Minnesota Vikings, which they came in once again to Minnesota after losing on a game-winning field goal. And they had their heads high. Their heads held high. Uh, they knew what was, you know, ready to be done and needed to be done in Minnesota in order to get their revenge. And they got their revenge on Minnesota. They won their first wild card game since 2011. And honestly, no matter what happened in that divisional game, and yes, it was a crushing defeat in Philly. It is what it is. This Giants team that no one expected to be here at this point of even making it close to the playoffs. And then making it to the wild or the divisional round, excuse me, was tremendous itself. And with that, that is my 2022 New York Giants season quick recap. Alex, thoughts? What do we got? Yeah, I think the two most important moments for this team were pretty much in the beginning and the end of the regular season. Um, week one. The two-point conversion, going for it, going for two at the end, believing in your team, showing that you really believe that they could win this game from Brian Dable, I think was key in just you know collecting the locker room, collecting confidence uh, among the whole group. And then I think that loss against Minnesota, uh, I don't think if we had gotten blown out in that game, I do not think that the Giants would have won that wild card game. And I think the fact that they were able to keep it close, only lost on a 60-yard field goal, and I think that gave the Giants a ton of confidence that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, so I think those are like the two key, you know, key games uh, in terms of you know momentum shifters. Obviously, I think the the win against the Colts, the first time clinching the playoffs since 2016, I think that was a really cool moment as well. Um, but I don't think it was necessarily season shifting uh, as those other two moments uh, that I just said are. And I'm hoping that that defeat in Philadelphia will be the third and final one uh, because we can't say yet whether it was or wasn't, um, but I'm hoping it will, uh, you know, looking at the gap between those two teams and really the motivation to come back uh, and try to beat those guys for years to come. All right, and now I move to the season observation. So obviously the most, um, I guess, realistic thing that all Giants fans can look at compared to the prior regime was that it's super easy to spot how the right people in a front office and a coaching staff can lead to a football or a winning football team. You have guys like our new GM, Joe Shane, head coach, Brian Dable, offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, and defense coordinator, Wink Martindale, et cetera, because there's more guys even behind that, you know, like Brandon Brown, our new assistant GM, Shea Tierney, the new quarterbacks coach, on and on and on. That came in this year, all new, and they, you know, they, they kind of trended this team in the right direction, in the winning direction, compared to losing, which we've had year after year after year prior to them showing up. Uh, they all came in during this offseason in 2022, or last offseason, I should say. 
Um, in their first years at these leadership positions on the Giants, at least, they were turning a lower end NFL depth chart into a playoff, uh, into a playoff team, which is exactly what they did because this Giants team on paper, Alex and I could both agree, they were not a playoff roster. <laughs> they still are not a playoff roster if we look right now back at the depth chart that they played with against the Minnesota Vikings, but they got it done and they were able to do what they needed to do. Speaking of two other players that did that, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in their final contract season showed that they have a right to be brought back. Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence are also players that should earn new contracts is what I have as a note here. And one final thing that not all Giants fans would have in their years or in their, you know, season recap observations, but I want to highlight one player specifically, and that is Nick Gates. I mean, I think he's gotten a lot of traction from coming back. He came back from a gruesome leg injury and was honestly robbed of even being a comeback of the year finalist. And I seem like that, it seems like that award, not that he wants it, right? Or he cares really, but it seems like that award is only going to players that are at key star positions. I mean, Saquon Barkley's up there for comeback player of the year. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy tore his ACL, right? So it makes sense. But if you remember correctly, in the game where Nick Gates got injured and future you know, points past that, Nick Gates didn't even know he was going to walk again. People didn't know if he was going to walk again, let alone play again. So this guy defies the odds by walking again, number one, and doesn't live his life for the, re- you know, the rest of his life in a wheelchair, which maybe could have been a possibility. Not even that, he comes back to play, and not even play, play in the NFL, and becomes a rotational offensive linemen in this team on this roster which is crazy and no I'm not saying when he was in he was sensational and he was the best offensive lineman for the New York Giants honestly that was Andrew Thomas and he's probably the MVP for the Giants of the season but that's not even the point the point is that he played and it wasn't even a backup spot or anything he was a rotational starter for this team after coming back in a gruesome leg injury and I don't know what else spells comeback player of the year than that from a guy who, you know, was rumored to not even be able to walk again. So again, that's my observations from the season, but don't forget about Nick Gates. Cause I really do think that is uh, a tremendous accomplishment for him. And that's why I put it down. And Alex, again, I- I'll send it to you to see if you have any other observations on the year. You know, I think you pretty much touched most of the important things here. Um, you know, I'll reiterate again, how important, you know, coaching is to, you know, two teams in this league. Um, you know, we've been seeing a lot of talk about Sean Payton, right? Obviously, former Saints coach, uh, now interviewing in this, you know, coaching cycle, and the fact that it would cost teams a first round pick to get Sean Payton. Uh, and a lot of people are using the Giants as an example that, hey, coaching can really turn around this team, turn around a team. And Sean Payton, for example, could be worth a mid first round pick, even an early first round pick, because that's how much of an impact coaching and good coaching can have. I'm not sure in that specific situation if that's the correct call or not. I'm just bringing it up as an example to really show how successful this Giants you know, coaching staff has been that they're being used as an example in that kind of argument. And then, you know, what I would say, Saquon Barkley, the, you know, Daniel Jones, like you mentioned, the fine, you know, in their contract years really stepped up. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if they're going to continue being like that when they're not in their contract years. Hopefully they will be. Um, but yeah, I think that and just a lot of these younger players these guys who are maybe in their second or third year just taking the next step Andrew Thomas Dexter Lawrence like you mentioned it it was really uh, you know there was a lot of positives to see this season 
And like you said, I think personally, if someone said this, uh, I, I watched a video and someone said that the Giants have a bottom five roster, um, but they have top three coaching and that's why they made the playoffs. And I kind of went through the NFL rosters, you know, knowing what I know, uh, you know, I'd like to think I'm pretty, uh, you know, versed in what NFL rosters look like and certain players and their skill levels and stuff like that. But I went through and I would say, yeah, the Giants probably do have a bottom five roster in terms of, you know, pure talent uh, on, on whatever scale that most people use, um, I guess, you know, perception wise. But I think it's true that the Giants do not have a lot of talent on this roster. And obviously they're going to have to keep building. We got a couple of very talented pieces in the draft next year, hope, uh, last year, excuse me, who hopefully will develop as time goes on. And I think the most important thing for this offseason, I know this you know, sounds funny because it's not something that we have any control over or even the front office has any control over. I think Evan Neal's development is going to be the most important thing for this Giants offseason. Is he going to be in the gym every day? Is he going to be working on his skills? Uh, is he going to be at all the voluntary camps? I am sure he will be, but is he going to be able to improve this offseason and be able to take that next step as a tackle like Andrew Thomas did uh, in his second year uh, in the NFL? And I'm really hoping that he can. And uh, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be an observation as we go along the season. Obviously, we're going to have no idea in the offseason. Is he actually getting better? Is he not getting better? We have no idea until he steps on the field week one. But I think that's going to be a really, really important thing um, going forward. I know a lot of people have been saying that you know, as much as bringing in new players is going to be important, you know, Josh is going to talk about this in a minute with what Joe Shane said at his press conference, but as much as it's important to bring in new players, you know, more talent, preserving the talent and improving the talent we already have uh, is almost just as important, if not more important. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously Andrew Thomas is like that baseline guy. He is that, you know, guy on the Giants that you saw year one was iffy. He worked towards the offseason, and now he's one of the best tackles in the NFL, hands down. Uh, top five, top three, whatever you want to say. You know, Andrew Thomas is that guy that you want to kind of be your role model, be your 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 you know your guy you you form your game off of. And Evan Neal can do that. You know, he's only a couple years older than Thomas, and it's kind of the same deal there. It's just a different position at tackle. It's the opposite side. Yeah, Alex. What I was going to say is as much as, yes, the comparison is good, I mean, I just made it myself, right? So obviously I agree with it uh, in most senses, but the issues that Thomas and Neil have were very different, I think, um, because, th again, they're different types of tackles. Evan Neal's more of a, a you know, uh, he's just more of a bigger guy. It's difficult to uh, adjust to the NFL when you're six seven, you know, 300 whatever pound, 350 whatever he is, whereas... You know, Andrew Thomas is a slightly smaller guy, more of a technical guy, uh, had more issues with his feet initially, um, you know, in year one, whereas Evan Neal, you know, he's got more, I think Evan Neal has more issues to deal with. Um, I think his hand, you know, his hand placement, uh, his feet as well, you know, his, his start off. So I think there's, it's a little bit different, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit naive to say that it's like, oh, you know, just like Andrew Thomas did, like they're in different situations, but I do think it's a good comparison. I just wanted to throw that out there. So let's catch ourselves up to date now. That's what I have this part of the outline labeled for us. And uh, Alex and I can trade back and forth kind of going uh, off of Shane's comments, Stable's comments, and just stuff in general that we have here, news points from our last episode, because there's been a lot. There's been a lot of stuff. So let's catch everyone up to date. Since the divisional round lost, uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable that week uh, spoke to the media about plans. The main takeaways was that Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Julie Love uh, Julie Love, 
Julian Love all want to be brought back as long as the financial parts of things work out. Daniel Jones seemed to already have a contract set up while Saquon Barkley wants Christian McCaffrey type money to stick around. So the Giants might place the franchise tag on the running back. Shane in his press conference mentioned he wanted Barkley back, but seemed worried about the money Barkley and his agents are asking for. Moving on, speaking about, for some reason, a former friend and player on the New York Giants, Odell Beckham Jr., still friends with Saquon Barkley and I'm sure many of the guys on the team, or a few because this roster is very different from when he was on the team back in 2016. Joe Shane stated that he and all free agents will be scouted and looked at in the next week. So that would be this week, I believe, when we're recording this, or so when the front office meets and sets a plan for a free agency. Um... I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. The Houston Texans had an in-person second interview with Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. This one was in person. Their next step in the process increases the odds that Kafka will be leaving the New York Giants. If so, well, who could be the Giants' next offensive coordinator? Again, we want to plan ahead now just in case we're ready for it. That, unfortunately, uh, they make the hire the Texans do and bring in Kafka. So who could be the next offensive coordinator? Well, Shane's press conference seemed to indicate that if they lose Kafka or the do- uh, the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, also has interviews as well, or has had interviews, it will be someone most likely in-house because we don't want to bring anyone outside in because we want the people to kind of know the same system. So what Alex and I are looking at is most likely the quarterback's coach, Shay Tierney, who came to the Giants from Buffalo and is friends with Brian Dable uh, and you know, Dable might call plays even while staying as head coach as he this season let, you know, gave his role up as calling plays when he was an offensive coordinator in Buffalo to Mike Kafka. Uh, he trusted the guy, but maybe Dable becomes uh, the play caller while the offensive coordinator becomes Shea Tierney, who helped develop was probably a big part in the development of Daniel Jones this season. I'm sure it was also Daniel Jones's work ethic as well, because uh, he's a very hardworking guy. But Tainier, T- Shea Tierney, I'm sure had a a hand or two in that as well. But unfortunately, uh, Shea Tierney is also getting interviewed by a team. The New York Giants QB coach is being interviewed for the Bucks offensive coordinator job per Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. So we're, we're, we're really losing everyone to these interview positions. Right now we have our offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and now quarterbacks coach up in the running for a job somewhere else in a you know coaching staff of some sort. Even the Giants backup quarterback, Davis Webb, is exploring other options away from playing football and maybe even coaching football in probably something like a quarterback coach role. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but this kind of spoils our plan here because if Kafka goes, I would say, and I think Alex, you agree with me, that we go Shea Tierney with a promotion to the offensive coordinator, but if he's also gone too, I don't know where to look. Maybe we bring out, you know, we bring someone from outside the organization. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, you know, I just want to go back real quick to Saquon Barkley. Um, I think, you know, along with the fact that he was named Comeback Player of the Year or one of the nominees for Comeback Player of the Year, I'll just throw that in there, uh, along with Geno Smith and Christian McCaffrey. I, I think when you look at his new deal, my my thinking, my cap, if I were Joe Shane and the Giants, would be four years, fifty million, about twelve and a half million a year. I wouldn't go over that price tag. Um, I wouldn't go over that amount. Uh, personally, if I was the Giants, I wouldn't want to give him more than four years, and I wouldn't want to give him more than twelve and a half million a year. I think they are going to end up giving him more than that, but personally, that would be my cap uh, if I were the Giants front office. 
I just don't think the running back position is worth any more than that, even with an elite talent like Saquon Barkley. And then going back to the coaching situation, like you said, now that the uh, Cowboys OC was just fired and he is now, you know, going making the rounds for these offensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator uh, positions in these interviews, hopefully that will kind of uh, leave the field a little bit more competitive here, and hopefully Shane Tierney doesn't get the job for Bucks OC uh, as much as you know. I wish him well and all that. I'm sure it would be a great next step for him. Uh, but if Mike Kafka does end up leaving, uh, it would be Shane Tierney, who I agree with you is probably next up, considering what he did with Daniel Jones. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, we can't make any few, you know we can't make any decisions till these other teams make decisions about what they want to do. Uh, potentially with our coaches that are currently on our staff. Um, all right, I guess we'll move on to the future contracts, future reserve contracts uh, that the Giants have signed, or um, you know, and other teams have signed of our players currently. So starting with that, uh, former Giants pass rusher Quincy Roche signed a future contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so he is gone, um, and that is the team that initially drafted him in the fifth round, but then cut him. Uh, before the Giants picked him up a couple years ago. So interesting that he's going back there, but uh, I guess it really shows you how the NFL really goes full circle all the time. Um, and then the Giants signed these players to reserve and future contracts. Chris Myrick, uh, Vernon Butler, Joshua, Jashawn Corbin, excuse me, running back, uh, Corey Cunningham tackles, Zion Gilbert corner, uh, tackle Devery Hamilton, wide receiver J- uh, Jaden Mickens, wide receiver Dre, uh, Dre Miller, wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton, Wide receiver uh, Makai Polk, safety Trenton Thompson, uh, wide receiver David Sills, fan favorite Sills Army, and safety Terrell Burgess. Um, those guys all on future reserve contracts uh, and will be in training camp this upcoming season. So excited for those guys to you know get a chance to compete for the 53-man roster and potentially the practice squad. So we have Brian Dable. Uh, He was, along with Doug Peterson and Kyle Shanahan, nominated for Coach of the Year. Interesting, no Nick Sirianni on this list. Keep that in mind. Uh, Nick Sirianni. Very happy about that. Don't like him. We're we're both ecstatic about that. I'm just saying keep that in mind as he led his Eagles team to the Super Bowl wall. Doug Peterson lost in a wild card round. Kyle Not saying playoffs is all that matters, but also Kyle Shanahan. Not completely his fault either. He lost his starting quarterback and his backup quarterback. And his third string quarterback. Don't don't think Kyle Shanahan but, should have been on there. To be honest, personally. Yeah, I I get that. Um, on, but Alex, well, we could talk about it later. But that that game, that situation at quarterback for the 49ers could not have gone worse. Um, yesterday on Sunday for that team. But anyway, let's move on. I mentioned Davis Webb. So the Giants backup quarterback was offered the Buffalo QB coach job last season. He's expressed interest in starting that transition from player to coach after securing his first NFL start this season. Webb will consider making the jump to coaching for the right opportunity. This is really okay. I mean, it's great to have him around the Giants because I would hope that we would promote him before the Bills promoted him to a a QB coaching job. Um, I would like to keep him around. I'm sure he's friends with uh, Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones in the locker room. But again, like I just mentioned, we do have Tyrod Taylor who didn't even play really in a game this season besides like once. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, But we do have a backup quarterback. It's not like we're losing our backup quarterback. Uh, We do still have Geno Smith and I do... er, um, not Geno Smith. I wish we had Geno Smith as our backup quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, uh, who is, I, I believe, under contract for at least another year. Um, so we should be we should be fine there. Okay. 
Moving on now, let's go to some quotes from some players. Uh, when the Giants returned home to clean out their locker rooms early in the week, last week, Leonard Williams said he considered taking a pay cut to remain as, uh, you know, with the Giants because he said, quote, I want to play with Dex, obviously Dexter Lawrence, as long as possible. He admitted there's something uh, that it is something he hasn't talked about yet, though, with his agent. So we'll have to see if he's being serious or not, or if he just really loves Dexter Lawrence. That's his brother. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I, I would definitely, if Lex, De- uh, Leonard Williams is willing to take a pay cut to stay on this team, I would gladly take that. No, he did not rack up the amount of sacks that we all expected him to uh, from the season ago and the season prior to that. But he's still a key guy on this roster. And what I mentioned um, in the Giant Take YouTube channel video I think I recorded last week when it comes to Leonard Williams is that he's an older guy in the NFL. He's a veteran. So if you're bringing in draft picks that are playing defensive line, if you want a guy to learn from and to adjust to the style of the NFL, having a leadership role of a guy like Leonard Williams would be super, I think, helpful uh, to those young guys. So that's another reason why you might want to keep him around, especially if he's willing to take a pay cut to stay on this team. Wandell Robinson said that he, quote, uh, I, I plan on being back in week one. Uh, that's a big deal as he tore his ACL earlier this season. Joe Sane seems to be looking to keep as many in-house UFAs as possible for the looking at the market. The deadline for teams to sign their UFAs or apply the franchise tag is March 7th. So almost about, you know, a month away, you know, a month and, and change, a month and a week, you would say. We're almost in February, which is crazy. And then free agency starts on March 15th. The Giants 2023 UFAs. Here we go. 21 unrestricted free agents for the Giants. Who should they bring back? Alex and I are going to go through this list one by one, and we'll give you what we believe, you know, who we believe should be brought back to this team. All right, let's start out with running backs. Saquon Barkley, we both think he should be brought back. I don't think there's any discussion that we need to have there, but there will be discussion with the second guy. For the right price. For the right price, I would say that. What I what I said earlier, yeah, I for mean, the right that, price. That's yeah. it right there. Are we willing to give him 2018 Christian McCaffrey money? No, 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 no. Okay, so we're not aiming for the high. What is that, $16.5 million? Is that what that is? Yep. I said my cap would be 12.5 to 13, no more than that personally. But I think he'll probably get about 14. So if we let him walk, are you looking to draft a running back in the draft? Well, you wouldn't let him walk. You'd franchise tag him. Oh, yeah. And then, Sorry. And then either trade him or just let him play on the tag. Um, but, yeah, then, then you probably have to draft a run. Well, but this free agent running back class is actually really, really strong. So you could also hypothetically just pick up a free agent uh, on the reasonably cheap, considering how much talent there is at that position. It's a good currently. point you make, Alex. So I, I think either way, the Giants really have a lot of leverage here. Um, besides Saquon Barkley kind of being the face of the franchise. So I guess he does have that leverage. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an interesting you know, way how this is all going to play out. I think Jones is going to be a lot simpler. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute, but I think they're going to you know, pay him three, four years, 30, 35 million a year, and it's going to be done with. Well, Alex, I, I say you make a good point as I was joking because you have the Giants saying they should re-sign Matt Breida. Well, I say no because of the point that you just stated. You're helping me in my argument. For, for uh, running backs, yes, it's a great position in the NFL to play. It's also uh, you know, great position that you can find depth anywhere. You can find a good running back basically all the time on free agency or at least somewhat of a decent one. 
that it's not a need, I don't think, to keep Matt Breida here on the New York Giants. Just sign another guy, and he could be your backup running back. Or draft someone late in the draft. Sign an un, you know undrafted free We have Deshaun Corbin, undrafted free agent. Maybe promote him to number two. He played pretty well so far this season, or you know, in the time when he did have playing time this season. Why keep Matt I, Breida, Alex? I think, you know, you got a, a guy who has experience, you know, has connections with the staff uh, from his time in Buffalo, has been all over the league. I think he's a valuable guy to keep around. I don't think he'd demand a lot of money, made some important key plays for us this season. I just see no reason why you wouldn't bring him back. Um, and I don't think, you know, as, as a backup, you know, just because you keep Matt Breida on a, you know, on a vet minimum deal or whatever you bring him on, you know, bring him on, you know, doesn't mean that you can't, you know, sign another running back and Matt Breida could potentially be your number three guy. So I, I kind of think, why not bring him back? I don't think it's going to be a, it's not like he's going to ask for, you know, seven, eight million a year. I think you're not going to pay him more than one or two. All right, let's move on to the next guy here. Landon Collins. Interior linebacker slash cornerback slash safety. More more safety. Um, we both do not have the Giants bringing him back. It just, I mean, he's getting, he's not super old in age. Uh, he did his job for filling in for this team the second half of the year. Um, there's, there's really no reason to bring him back. Uh, Jared Davis. I say yes. Alex says no. Do you want to go first here and why no? Or do you want to hear my statement and why yes? I'll go why no. I just don't think necessarily he was that much of a difference maker and I think you know we need to bring in a whole set a new set of linebackers here and I just don't think we need to keep any of these guys around uh, except for maybe Micah McFadden and Darian Beavers who are on their rookie contracts and you know they're still rookies so we'll keep them around besides that I think everyone else to be honest really has to go Um, and we'll talk more about that in a minute with Jalen Smith but you know I just don't think this is a position that we need to hang on to guys um, and it's not like Jared Davis has been there, you know, throughout the whole season. He just came at the end of the season. I don't think he's that attached in the locker room would be my guess. So I don't know. I just think you can get better players. Uh, we don't need, you know, I don't think even as a linebacker number four, I think you can get better players than him. So the reason I have the Giants keeping him around, why should, why do I think they keep them around? Well, to kind of cut ahead a little bit, which we both agree on, we don't want Jalen Smith back. So you got to have at least one veteran interior linebacker you can't just go all younger players i mean that's what coaches are there for to kind of help them but you got to have at least one veteran in the locker room at a certain position to kind of lead the youngsters in a certain type of way to be fair gerard da- or jared davis hasn't really had that much time on many nfl teams he's kind of jumped around a little bit but he did have some time in the detroit lions and he's 28 years old so he's been in the league for a while and that's why i think the giants keep him around and he won't cost that much money you got to have at least one veteran linebacker in that room instead of just Micah McFadden and company from you getting the draft or whatever. Um, so that's why I said yes. Moving on, Justin Ellis. We both have no's there. Um, I think it's pretty obvious when he played, he was pretty horrendous. So, And uh, horrendous is a really big word to use, but he just was not good at all. So no Justin Ellis getting brought back here for us. Center John Feliciano's up for a contract. We both have yes. You know, he's the giant center. You look behind him, it's kind of like Nick Gates, um, Ben Bredesen. But it, it's like, or does Ben Bredesen uh, switch to center sometimes? Sometimes. But I, I think more Feliciano yeah. for depth would be good. Ideally, you want to bring in another center. Because um, I think Feliciano, you know, he had his good moments for sure. But I don't think he's really a starting caliber center anymore uh, in this league. But I think his, you know, his voice around the locker room for sure would be, 
um, you know, something that's valuable to keep. Um, and I think he would be good to, you know, stick around. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I agree. And that's why we both have yes there. Another guy, Nick Gates. I mean, I already talked about a story. I'm kind of like in love with it. So I, I think I have to keep him around. Just a great guy, great locker room presence. And he was even on ESPN reporters, Jordan Ronan's his podcast. And just kind of super down to earth too. I mean, we knew that from his time on the giant, the giant take. I wish talking giants, um, uh, and he's friends with those guys. So, um, just love Nick Gates, love his story. I keep him back around. Alex, you say so too. Do you, I mean? Do you need to explain yourself, or we're good? No, we're good. No need to explain. Well, there's a need to explain here. Punter Jamie Gillen. Uh, we both have nose. Just not good. Like, never has been good. Never was good. Always, like, punts either mediocre or bad. His punts never over-exceeded expectations. You're not like, okay, let's at least get 40 yards. He gets 38. Okay, let's at least get 35. He gets 32. He never punts it as far as you want him to. He never is able to stick it within the 20-yard line. Sometimes he is. Sometimes. But is sometimes enough that you have to keep this punter around? I don't think so. Let's get a new punter here. Riley Dixon, maybe not bring him back. I don't even know what his contract is right now. But let's get another punter here for this New York Giants team. Jamie Gillen's just not doing it for us. Um, but who is doing it for us? Richie James. Came in as what you thought was going to just be a punt returner, kick returner for this team. Did that. Got a couple of concussions, unfortunately. Uh, but when he was at the wide receiver position... Played very, very well. Stepped up when guys were down. And Richie James, again, it's not going to cost that much to bring him back. So let's do it. Let's run it back uh, with Richie James. Tony Jefferson at safety came in again this season. Got elevated, signed from, you know, after getting, I think, what, cut from the Ravens or on their practice squad. Uh, Again, didn't do much. We kind of had Julian Love and Xavier McKinney over him in the depth chart. So it was kind of hard to step in. No bringing back Tony Jefferson. Marcus Johnson also no. Really did nothing at the wide receiver position. Maybe you can bring him back on the practice squad. We'll have to wait and see. Daniel Jones, quarterback of the New York Giants. It already seems like he's getting brought back from how Shane addressed it in the press conference. We both have saying yes to him. I mean, Alex, any further explanation than that? The guy earned it. I think it's simple terms just like that. Yeah, I mean, with all of these, obviously, we're saying yes at the price that we expect, right? Not at, you know, outrageous prices, right? Obviously, if someone said, well, you could get Daniel Jones back for $55 million a year, you know, match Pat Mahomes' contract, then obviously we'll say no. But um, yes, at what we expect his value to be, I would, uh, yes, I, w- I would like to have Daniel Jones back. I don't think you can really improve on that position right now. Uh, in this current state, so I think you have to resign him. I think that's really just as simple as you have to look at it. Can you improve on Daniel Jones at this position with our current assets? In free agency, I don't think you can. And in the draft at pick 25, I don't think you can either. So, you know, I, I would I would say we got to stick with Daniel Jones. I think you, if you look at it that way, even if you don't like him, uh, particularly not that I'm one of those people, I do think, you know, he has potential to even improve further. I would say you look at the current situation, uh, and what what's surrounding the Giants right now, and Dan, sticking with Daniel Jones, their best option. The next guy up here, Casey Kreider. I can't imagine a, a a world where the Giants just don't get this deal done. It's so easy to sign a long snapper. There's no if reason. You barely, to... If you barely talk about him, it's a good thing, and we barely talk about him. So yeah, and that's that's a thing. And honestly, Alex, 
when you see how good Graham Gano has been the past few years, don't undermine a long snapper in a kicker's, you know, trajectory. Because if a long snapper is bad, then that'll influence the kicker's, you know, conversions. And Graham Gano has been super automatic. So why take away the chemistry he has with Casey Kreider? Special teams is basically the their own team. You always see special teams when we went to training camp, Alex. You always saw them maybe like come out first, but they're always a group. They're always separate from the team. They're never practicing with the guys. It's always like the three guys. It's what? The punter, the kicker, the long snapper. And those three are a brotherhood. They're a group. So if Casey Crowder and Graham Gano have known each other for a couple years at this point and developed the chemistry together, there's no reason to look for another long snapper. I'm, I'm, again, there is no, I mean, take this clip back and clip me when it happens. But to me, there's no possible world where the Giants don't get something done with Casey Crowder. Bring it back. It's not going to cost that much. Just bring it back. Julian Love, again, for the right price, bring back safety Julian Love um, behind Xavier McKinney. He's been very good for this team. He's been a leader for this team, a captain, um, and he knows this team well, knows players on this team well. Bring back Julian Love. Fabian Moreau, this is a toss-up, interesting. I say no, Alex says yes. I say no because, you know, I always like this veteran presence thing. I've been talking about it so far this episode. We have that. We have a Dory Jackson, so there's no need to bring back Fabian Moreau. Once you have that veteran, you know, kind of on there to help the youngsters now fully, key, you know, let the youngsters cook kind of type of thing is in my mind. You already have the youngsters here like Darnay Holmes, like Cordell Flott, and you're going to get more in the draft because the cornerback position is still a need for this team. I don't think there's a need to bring back Fabian Murrow, but let's see, Alex, what do you think? Couldn't disagree more. Number one, you talk about some of the guys we already have on the roster, Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes. None of them are really pure outside guys, especially Darnay Holmes. He's a pure slot guy. Fabian Moreau, he's got that physicality, that size. He's had some good games for us. I think you bring him back, he's not going to demand a lot of money. And we don't really have that many guys at cornerback. Yes, you have Aaron Robinson probably returning. Again, not a pure outside guy. Fabian Moreau, besides Adoree Jackson... Fabian Moreau is the only pure outside guy that was on this roster, um, and I think you got to bring him back. I, I just, uh, you know, as much as you know, you're going to want to improve in the on that position, even as depth, right? Because I don't, I expect, I pray that he's not a starter for this team, but you need depth at the cornerback position because uh, a lot of these guys get injured often, and and I think Fabian Moreau is a guy you want to keep around, even if it says the number three, number four outside guy. I, I just see no reason to not bring him back. All right, I'm very interested in this because I say no to wide receiver Sterling Shepard. You say yes. Uh, Sterling Shepard has had injury after injury after injury in his career. Unfortunately, he gets injured again. I think another player, right, that tore his ACL? Uh, For Shepard, it's been a really, really up-and-down battle, mainly towards the downs. I wouldn't even risk going on a field again. I'm sure he does want to play again in the NFL. I wouldn't even give him a risk. I I don't even want to see him get injured again. It's just too hard for me. (laughs) So, no. I think he's one of those guys that's going to forever be a giant. He's going to retire as a giant. I think you bring him back, he'll probably ask for a minimum, a vet minimum deal. I think there's no reason to not bring him back. He's such a, a good locker room presence for this team. Uh, and maybe he could be productive uh, coming back from that ACL injury. Who knows? Um, you know, more of a rotational guy for this team. And I'd I rather think, bring him back in a coaching role if he was willing to do that. I think he will eventually go to that position. Um, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I think he's going to want to keep playing maybe this year, maybe next year. So I do want to keep Sterling Shepard around and people love him in the locker room. You've even heard Joe Shane talk about it. So I do expect him to be back and I would bring him back personally. 
Going on to Alex's favorite guy, wide receiver Darius Slayton. We both have the Giants bringing him back after a guy that was going into the 53-mountain roster cut down in training camp on the cusp of making it, on the cusp of not making it. He does make it. He eventually slots into basically the number one, number two position on this wide receiver's uh, depth chart, in this wide receiver's depth chart, whatever you want to say, in the wide receiver room. And I think he deserved himself another contract again, uh, even after almost making the roster. So that is that. Jalen Smith, we already talked about it. No for both of us. Interesting again. I, I, I don't, okay. Outside linebacker, Jihad Ward. I say the Giants don't really need to bring him back. Uh, I understand his connection with Wigan Martindale, one of his favorite guys. Alex, you say yes. Why? I think Jihad Ward, number one, along with being great locker room presence, great guy, great connections uh, in the locker room, like I just said twice. I think he's really good at setting the edge in the run game. Yes, he's not maybe the best pass rusher at the edge at the edge position, but I think what he does setting the edge, um, you know, he gets a lot of tackle for losses. I think he's a, a good mentor for some of our younger guys at that position, and I think um, I, I think he would be valuable to bring back again a guy who probably wouldn't demand that much to be back here, and I think he's earned it this year uh, and had a really productive season. Yeah, I I get that. I just I don't think that we can bring back Jihad Ward for what I'm assuming the money he's going to ask for. I feel like he's going to want more than expected. And that's what kind of I think he's probably going to want a couple million. I think if you bring him back on a two-year, $5 million deal, something like that, two years, $6 million, I think it's worth it. We're going to look, I feel like, at outside in the draft anyway later round. So I don't know. I don't know. But, well, let's let's talk about outside linebacker because we have Eugene Zimenez as a no. So if you're going to both, if you're not going to bring him back, you're going to probably want to bring Ward back. So I guess I could agree with that if the Giants don't re-sign Eugene Zimenez. And then Nick Williams didn't really do much. So we both have no there. So now let's look towards the future. The Giants' top positions of need ranked in order. We have interior linebacker at one, wide receiver at two, cornerback at three, interior offensive line at four, and then I just put the tackle or you know interior defensive line, however you want to look at it, um, at five. So that's what the Giants are going to hopefully address in free agency, but more in the draft. Uh, let's go to our NFL picks now. We what I would do- say here, wait, before we get to the picks, sorry, I, I have so many comments to make. Um, in terms of how I look at that order, yeah, I think one and two is very clear, right? Uh, inside linebacker and then wide receiver. But I think corner, interior O-line, defense attack, interior guys, I think those three are kind of equal uh, in terms of, you know, I, w- I would kind of say it's like a 3A, 3B, 3C type thing. I think those positions are all really important. I wouldn't necessarily like put them in order. Um, but obviously for this, we have to. Um, but, it, you know, I think they're all three really important. But, you know, it's it's linebacker is going to be top priority, then wide receiver. And then I think those three positions are going to be uh, ones that you look at kind of equally um, when you're in free agency or whether you're in the draft. All right. Now we get to our NFL picks. We missed a couple of weeks here. So in the divisional round, Alex went 2-1. and one, I went 3-0 and then flipped that to a goose egg in the championship week. Went 0-2 and Alex went 1-1. One and one. Uh, our picks for this week, because we didn't talk about it, because we you know had an episode last week. It was 49ers for the both of us. Oh, my God. And then Chiefs for Alex, and I had the Bengals. Unfortunately, the Bengals because of uh, penalties. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not I'm not blaming this one on the refs. Um, you know, although I I thought the late hit was a good call. Uh, both of Mahomes' feet were out of bounds. Although, that block in the back on Sam Hubbard was literally getting thrown to the ground. 
I felt like I was watching a Giants game there with Kayvon Thibodeau for a minute. Um, and, you know, the, the no call from the refs there, and they miss a late hit earlier in the game on Joe Mixon, but they call that one on Mahomes because Mahomes is, you know, refs merchant. I don't know, man. It, but What I'll say is I'm glad that the Chiefs won because I think they're a much better matchup. Yeah, they're, they're the better for, opponent for the Eagles. For and Eagles. obviously, Alex, as a Giants fan, it's all I care about. Us, what'd you say? I said that's all I care about. I don't. I don't. I didn't care. Yeah. I was like, the Chiefs are a better matchup. Their O line's better. They'll be able to match up nicely against that yeah. Eagles front. But the Bengals will get eaten alive by Hardgrave and or the Bengals. Did I say the Bengals or did I say the Eagles? Yeah, I, think so. I don't know what I said. Bengals would get eaten alive uh, on you know on that offensive front uh, with all those guys on the Eagles sure. D line coming at them. Well, I mean that was what I was going to say as a Giants fan for the us two. It's going to be the easiest Super Bowl rooting wise. I mean, really ever, because obviously you're not going to root for an NFC East opponent, no matter what, no matter that they beat the Giants in the divisional round, I don't care. You know, sometimes you say, oh yeah, well they beat you, so then, you know, you root for them, and then if they win, you're like, well, at least we, you know, lost to the champs. No, absolutely not. We do not want the Eagles getting another victory, another Super Bowl trophy that they're going to hold high. Um, so, this is going to be a very fun Super Bowl, Alex, and honestly, I think I'm going to have way, well, not honestly, I mean, it's it's true, it's obvious, Compared to Rams Bengals, there's a little bit more on the line for us as Giants fans. Uh, we're going to be, I think, rooting a little bit more heavily for the Chiefs than we would, you know, in the prior Super Bowl for either of those teams. So there you go with that. We don't have our picks for the Super Bowl because we're going to have an episode next week, uh, you know, talking whatever we're talking at that point, and then we can talk about the Super Bowl then. Uh, but we appreciate you listening to this long season recap of, uh, you know, the, the 2022-2023 New York Giants season. We're excited to go into the offseason. I don't know what we're going to have next for you. I don't know if it's going to be later this week or next week. We'll have to, you know, talk about it behind the scenes and figure out what our schedule, what our plans are going to be for the future. Uh, but for now, again, thank you for listening. And the social media platforms, Twitter and TikTok, the Giant Take Pod. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, the Giant Take Podcast. Alex on Twitter, at Norin23. I'm on Twitter, at JoshOla29. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Go to Ship It Studios slash Giant Take for a bunch of places to find um, you know, listening platforms, I guess, and also subscribe on our YouTube channel, the Giant Take Podcast. Alex, close us out. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode and all the episodes from this 2022-2023 season. It was a blast uh, to record all these episodes. And to be honest, I think the off season is almost just as fun. Um, but I think, you know, usually it's more fun. But after this fun season, I would say it's it's not as fun, but it's almost as fun. But you know, can't wait to get into all of that. Love the draft, as you know, uh, and free agency should be exciting as well, considering that we have a lot of cap room or more cap room this year than we have in the past couple of years. Um, with that, though, we will see you all next time uh, for our next episode. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? 
Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.